Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good morning and welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Knight Campbell, your host for The Leading Edge, Women Pushing Boundaries in Life, Adventure, and Leadership. Our topic today is Straight Up Leadership with Leonie Campbell. Leonie graduated from the Naval Academy and served 10 years in the Marine Corps before deciding to go to medical school. Now she's a Navy orthopedic surgeon. She's the president of our company, Karen Leadership Strategies. She's raced triathlon at an elite level, likes ice climbing even more than rock climbing. And I'm biased here. She's an excellent mother and wife. Today, I'm particularly excited to dig into Leonie's perspective on leading as a woman in some of the most notorious boys clubs out there. Good morning, Leonie, and welcome. Good morning, Knight. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, you probably can hear our daughter in the background. There seems to be a crisis, so it's uh, fun and interesting to have her along. Leonie, to start out, what should our li- listeners know about you? Um, I mean, as you know, I'm a mom, a Marine veteran, and now a uh, orthopedic uh, surgery resident, but more importantly, I think anything that I say today should definitely be taken with a grain of salt. We all have our own leadership journeys, and how we experience them is individual, so don't take everything for what I'm saying as a Bible for sure. Yeah, a little bit of humility there, and uh, I think every good leader I talk to says, hey, I haven't figured it all out yet, so certainly appreciate that. Uh, we're going to dive right in here. You know, you went to the Naval Academy. You can choose Navy or Marine Corps out of there. Marine Corps arguably is the harder choice, the more uh, elite choice. Why did you choose that over, you know, going into the Navy? You know, the enlisted Marines that I worked with at the Naval Academy just really impressed me with their dedication to what they were doing and their motivation to accomplish anything that was set before them, regardless of the difficulty or the uh, almost impossibility that it was, and I honestly did not see that on the Navy side. So that was probably one of the biggest draws to me, as well as like just the quality of the individual that I saw of the Marines at the Naval Academy at the time. I love that it was about the people. You're choosing where you want to lead by the people you want to lead. Can you tell us a little bit about the journey of going from Marine Corps and into medicine? Absolutely. So Naval Academy uh, chemistry kicked my sorry little bottom and quickly demonstrated me that I could not do all the things that I thought I could do. So I went to the Marine Corps route initially, and that draw for medicine just kind of continued to be there for me. And as I deployed once and deployed twice, and I saw kind of what the doctors were able to do on the ground for Marines that were kind of in the worst possible place of their lives, I just really still wanted to do that. And so kind of got back to the Naval Academy to teach leadership and was at a decision point in my career, whether I could continue to lead Marines, which I loved doing, or 
um, kind of go in medicine, but career-wise, I was at a point in the Marine Corps where I wasn't going to get to have that contact leading as much, and I was going to have that contact if I became a physician and could pursue that dream. So I opted to have a nice discussion with you, convince you this was a good idea, and get you on board. <laughs> <laughs> and we both took a giant leap of faith together, and I managed to get into med school. So there we go. So you've talked about leadership in a couple of different ways here already. Uh, but leadership's challenging, and it's a lot of pressure. The decisions come down to you, uh, and when things go wrong, everybody looks to the leader. So what about leadership appeals to you? Because it seems like you keep picking leadership-focused uh, avenues in life. I think as much as leadership is an individual sport, if you will, it's also a team sport. You get a lot of input from the people you surround yourself with and your ability to develop that team and the people around you. So like my success in the Marine Corps, and I think pretty much any good Marine leader will tell you, is really based on your ability to surround yourself with the best possible Marines you can get. And the same thing I think will be true in medicine as I progress through um, and be able to take the best input as, all, as well as recognizing the failures of others and myself and learning from them. And I think that that is going to kind of what pushes you through and allows you to continue to succeed. Um, I like challenges, um, be it outdoors, rock climbing or skiing or whatever, um, or academically in medicine and then as well in Marine Corps and communications. So if it's a challenge, it's something that interests me. Otherwise, I don't know if it's worth doing. If it's not challenging, it's not worth doing. We heard it here, folks. Uh, Leonie, I watched, I was amazed by how much loyalty and respect your Marines gave you when you were leading. And, you know, you're at the time a 120-pound uh, waif of a person, you know, an athlete for sure, but not the classic bulky man that we might stereotype as a Marine Corps leader. What was your trick? How did you earn so much respect and loyalty from your Marines? Um, so the Marine Corps is a very physical entity, as you noted. I will say that being able to outrun them was definitely a perk. Um, so there was that. However, as a female, you definitely have to fight a little more to gain the respect. And so for me, like kind of having that very clear, this is who I am and not mince words about it and high expectations for myself and them. And there was like demanded consistency. Like for Marines, that works. Um, I don't know that it works in every other entity. Medicine definitely does not, like, there's not a physicality that I can go out there and prove. It's more just being competent. And so, and that's just true in the Marine Corps as well, where me having ultimately the competency in my communication skills and as a leader was what garnered me, and the consistent, being consistent as a leader was what garnered me to respect, I think, I hope. Um, and I think within medicine, it'll be the same with just being consistent and being competent ultimately is what gets you respect in a lot of these fields. As a, and as a leader, like that consistency in your expectations for yourself and others, and that you're living up to the demands that you are setting forth, like that definitely allows you to, to um, gain the confidence of those that are looking up to you. So I hear a lot of great stuff there to include understanding what the organization you're leading in values and then match your strengths up. So the Marine Corps valued physical fitness and maybe you're not going to bench press 400 pounds, but you can outrun everyone in your unit. And so you could, you could leverage that strength, that personal strength of yours. But there's a lot of study out there about tokenism in particular for women uh, in organizations like the Marine Corps where everybody's looking at you and judging you 
uh, a little more closely because you're one of the very few women in that organization and putting a lot of pressure on you saying, well, you know, if, if Leone can't run faster than her people, then all women probably can't run fast, which is, it seems pretty unfair. How do you cope with that uh, as you're trying to excel and be competent in your organization? I think the uh, the honest short answer was being blissfully ignorant at times of the amount of tokens. <laughs> um, but at the other times, like as you probably recall, there was a point where there was an XO that just checked in, and he was all up inside my my S6 com shop, and it was uh, excuse the vulgarity of my comment, but it was literally a penis measuring contest, and who knew more about communications? And once I demonstrated that I had, then he backed off, and we had a great relationship and. Um, it was a very productive professional relationship from their point forward. But, yeah, it's a thing. It's definitely – It's. I think you can either choose to come to it or you can choose to just recognize it for what it is and just do your darn, darndest to prove them wrong. And that's – for me, it's like – that's always been a thing. Like from the time that I played on a men's water polo team in high school through today, like that's just do your best. And sometimes you just got to kind of ignore it. Like you know it's there. You're not going to change it. So just deal with it and forget about it and move on and do your best. Worry about you. As the mother of a little girl, do you think that's changed any, gotten better any? And, you know, whether or not it has, is there something we can do as a society to help eliminate that unfair tokenism? I think the communication is definitely way more open about the fact that there there are women who want to be in these positions and are fighting forward for it. And, like, I look up at some of the generals in the Marine Corps now, and I remember when they were colonels and lieutenant colonels and I worked for them, and I look up, I look up to them with awe and like, man, they've really forged a path forward. And I think that recognizing those that have gone forth ahead of us and they've been forging those paths, it's not perfect, but it's improved. And I think that as long as women continue to forge those paths and just make it more standard that, hey, we're here, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it, um, and we continue to just make that the norm, then, yeah, I think – our daughter, the plural, <laughs> will um, have a different path than I even had. And I even look at the women that are kind of where I was 10 years ago, and they have a totally different path, and it is a little more straightforward. I, the things that they find frustrating now are things that weren't even worth me worrying about because there they were so much bigger fish to fry at that point. Yeah, it it's, uh, seems like a moving target because what success looked like then is different than what it looks like today. Uh, and it's easy, I think, for society to say, well, it's way better than it is in other countries or other societies or cultures, so we don't have a problem. But that seems like a cop-out. What, what would us doing what we ought to do look like? What does success ultimately look like in terms of gender parity and leadership? <laughs> I wish I had an answer to that question. Um, but I think <laughs> there's two things that have, of note in your question itself. One, I think that women should appreciate um, the opportunities they have in the United States versus other countries, having been to other countries, starting at like a very young age, I think five or six is the first time I went to Turkey, and really appreciated at a very young age how blessed I was to be born in the United States. Um, and that definitely set me on the path to go to the Naval Academy and to become a Marine and ultimately like why I'm now pursuing orthopedic surgery. Um, so I think it's really important to recognize where we have it and not always just be like America sucks or it's not fair. Um, so part one. Part two, um, I think that being present and doing what you want to do is what's going to continue to change that going forward. Is there 
always going to be problems for someone. You're always going to have bad apples in a bunch. Like that's, I think, just a fact of life. And as much as you may think that you're perfect, or, and I say this for myself, um, when you're dealing with someone else who's in their own, they're having their own experience of life, like everybody's going to have their own, and you need to just kind of appreciate that that yours and theirs are never going to be the same, and giving people a little bit of space and a little bit of grace, um, sometimes a lot of bit of grace to help them along and understand where they're coming from. I think that will kind of be part of what gets a little more is the increasing equality of male female like there are biological differences. Women will be the ones bearing children and needing to take wanting to take time off. And like in other countries have kind of come up with various ways of addressing that. But those are things that us as a society will have to continue to figure out. And as we move forward we will figure it out. It's just gonna take time. It's not an immediate response. And I think people need to understand that we all need time to accept change and to move forward with change and continue to perfect the system. So I hear we we need to keep moving forward and stagnation, not making changes is a bad thing, but appreciating and supporting the change that we do make is also important. Yes. Hardball question. <laughs> when your daughter comes home from school one day and says she no longer wants to be a doctor because boys are doctors, what's your answer? I would ask her why she thinks boys are doctors because I don't think that conversation can go any further until I understand where her where she's coming from and why she thinks that. There you go. Ask more questions. <laughs> Love it. Maybe it's an easy, easy answer to a hardball question. Uh, what do you do backing up? You know, people often have assumed that you're a nurse and not a doctor or called you Leone instead of Dr. Campbell. Uh, how do you deal with those kind of small things that add up? I think we're often responding in a way that kind of just lets them know who you are without being completely aggressive. I think one of the ones that, that you've heard me say is there was, I was talking to a nurse multiple times over the course of the day and I have a deeper voice on the phone. I appreciate that. And most orthopedic surgeons are male. And so I got up on the floor to see the patient and evaluate him and bring some stuff up and take care of some stuff. And the nurse who I've been talking to on the phone all day um, was just like, well, the doctor said, he said, and I was like, well, I am the doctor you've been talking to on the floor. And the, pa- the nurse was rightfully a little taken aback. I probably could have been a little nicer about it. Um, but, you know, it's, sometimes it's just kind of being forward about, hey, I am who the person is. And, it's, and sometimes it's okay. I mean, you know, if I have an older patient who's just, like, convinced that I'm a nurse and not a doctor, it's like, that's fine. I'm still going to be the one providing your care. So there's a point in time where it's like, I will correct, but try and do it gently. Um, and then there's a point in time where it's like, you're 92 years old. I really just doesn't matter. I just need to take care of you and make sure you get the best possible care. So picking your battles is important, but this is something I've talked about, you know, as a man, there are a lot of things I do that aren't quite right, that I miss the mark in treating women as equals. Uh, And I think you hit the nail on the head. If you yell at me and tell me I'm misogynistic and a terrible person, like I'm just going to shut down. I'm not a perfect person. Uh, And if you're really kind about it, I'm probably not even going to see it because I'm a man and I communicate in like very black and white sometimes. So how do you hit the right mix of being assertive enough to make sure that I understand that I was out of line, but also kind enough to support me to grow and figure it out? Uh, (laughs) That's a hard question. Um, So there's your, there's your heavy, your heavy hitter. Um, So I think that, 
one, again, I think giving people grace and understanding of where they're coming from is important, and it helps me approach people in a manner that allows me not to be angry at them or defensive myself because I don't want them to be defensive either. No one's open to change if they're defensive. Um, so part one. Part two, I think that being able to just kind of have an open conversation with someone and be like, hey, I'm actually, like, again, as I said, like, hey, I'm actually, I am the doctor. Um, they're like, oh, like a lot of people are, they also, they also feel bad. Like they're like, oh, crap, I made a mistake. I made an assumption. Like they're embarrassed. And I think that that needs to be acknowledged, like as, as on my side. And then kind of just going forward, if they're like, most of them apologize immediately and are, are again, embarrassed. And then just like, yeah, let it, like, I think that often is enough. I think if it's someone you work with consistently, like they'll get to know you and you know that. And then if someone is just being a chauvinistic, whatever, like, I think that having that, hey, dude, like, what's your deal is also perfectly appropriate. But I think you have to be able to read what's in front of you and give it a moment, like take a step, evaluate your environment, and then determine what the best course forward is. Because it's not going to be the right, the same solution is not going to be correct for every single uh, encounter. So it depends. And (laughs) use grace. I, I love that word. Uh, We're going to take a quick moment and recognize one of our sponsors. Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be San Diego's largest private nonprofit university founded in 1971. The National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, National University educates students from across the U.S. and around the globe with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. Thank you so much for your support, National University, and to all of our sponsors and partners. And Knight, back to your show. Welcome back to The Leading Edge with our guest, Leonie Campbell, Dr. Leonie Campbell. We'll fix that one right there. (laughs) Uh, We're back with the heavy hitters here. What do you think about the lean in movement? So I think it's actually great. I think that getting people to have more open dialogues is really important, but I think that every lean in, like I've only been at, I think two um, and the two I were at were both military focused. And I think people were pretty much looking for an opportunity to have an open discussion, but I've also been in other groups that are more culturally organized, less um, gender organized. And sometimes for me personally, that those were more difficult uh, environments. So I think that people needing to, like, I think the whole value of being in, in a lean in or any sort of cultural um, entity where you're trying to like listen to other people's perspective, the willingness of all parties, not just the party of focus to listen is going to be the ultimate success of those groups in terms of moving us forward as a culture um, as Americans and as both women and men um, in the workplace. So teaching people to listen effectively may be more important than anything else we can do in this situation. Absolutely would agree with that. So I, I love that you say if it's overt misogyny, like sometimes you just need to be, say, hey, what's your deal? Uh, but I'm curious if there are other little things that you notice where, you know, people like the assuming you're a nurse or other little things that you've noticed that men could take away for if they're listening to this, like, oh, hey, maybe I do that um, in the Marine Corps, in medicine or wherever in your life. 
I think my personal favorite one, which is just a pet peeve, is email responses, um, especially if it's like a sir or a ma'am or a mister or a missus. My first name is not even slightly uh, masculine. It's quite feminine. And yet I get more Mr. whatever or sir than I get the opposite. And it's like I think doing the common courtesy of looking at the email and, oh, yeah, that's, that's a female that sent this to me. Like that is a small thing, and I think that that speaks a lot about who you are as well when you're responding to an email in terms of your attention to detail and your professionalism. Um, so that would be like the one thing that I would recommend people do. There you go. Keep it. Pay attention to who you're talking to uh, and address them correctly. What do you do when you get that Mr. Campbell email? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I often begrudgingly comment, like say something to myself, um, but that's about it. Because again, like where's where's your time and energy best spent? You know, we talked about you mentioned picking picking your battles. Is something I've taught and I've focused on with people that I've led a gazillion times. Like you got to pick your battles. Is that one I'm going to actually fight? No. Is it one that I find annoying? Yes. But is it worth spending any energy on overtly? No. I might make fun of someone if I actually ever meet them, but jokingly. Um, in like a soft, gentle manner, but that's about as far as I would ever go. I don't think it's worth fighting about or making a big stink about. So for people who know you, uh, most of them would say you're assertive. (laughs) And I've heard you say, you know, women need to take their seat at the table. But it seems like the system can be stacked against women often. Can you elaborate on that? I think if the system's stacked against you, you just need to push that pile of bricks over. Um, I do think that, so I think that a lot of times in a lot of discussions I hear when women's groups these days are like, oh, well, there, there should be a place at the table for us. There should be a place at the table for us. I'm kind of a fan of take one of the dudes at the table, rip them off of their seat, and sit down. Um, if you really want to be the one at the table, then you need to take it. It's not going to be given to you. You should not expect it to be delivered to you on a silver platter. You need to fight for it. Um, because if you really, really want something and you really think you deserve it and you need to earn it just as much as everybody else, and sure, you're going to fight harder as a woman possibly, depending on the organization to get there, but gosh darn it, you're going to own that if you fight for it. You're not going to own it the same way if you are given it. Um, then maybe that, again, as I said at the beginning, let's take everything I say with a grain of salt. I definitely come from the Marine Corps entity where the EGA, the Eagle Oak Acre, which every Marine wears very, very proudly, is burned. It is never given. And that, you know, early ingraining uh, of me on me of like things are earned um, sort of as a child and it's kind of continued for and it's definitely something that I, I firmly believe in so take that with a grain of salt <laughs> I, I appreciate the grain of salt as a man even that sounds a little bit unfair that you know the expectation is to rip a man out of his seat and replace him um, not unfair to men but unfair to the woman who you know a man just goes through the normal avenues and gets the seat and a woman's got a be assertive and go in and take it, um, where, where can we meet halfway? Where could society maybe help out or level that playing field a little bit? I'm not really sure that men don't have to fight for it. Um, I think when you really look at and it's kind of, again, what we've, con- we've traditionally considered to be feminine versus masculine character traits, aggressiveness and assertiveness have been traditionally considered masculine character traits. And as you said, I have been accused, if you will, as a female, of being overly assertive or overly aggressive multiple times. Um, but it is also what's been necessary within the environments that I've been in. Does it make it fair? I don't know that anything in life is fair. So I think that if you 
if you really wanted to like level the playing field, then I think that's where meritocracy kind of comes in and you take away gender altogether. There's a whole host of arguments on that and on the pros and cons um, in terms of diversity um, and making sure that you're acquiring that diversity. So I think that's a, that's a huge can of worms that I don't think we have all figured out as a society. Um, but again, nothing's fair. So if you're, if you really want something, and if I look at the women who have gone before me, again, in the Marine Corps in particular, or even in orthopedics, like I look at Dr. Pring and some of these other phenomenal doctor, orthopedic surgeon females that I know, there are very, very few of them, but they fought every single step of the way to get where they were. And if I want to continue to open the doors for the next generations, I will most likely have to fight as well. And eventually it will improve. Um, but if we're not willing to fight for what we want, then it's not going to happen. So... So a lot of times it feels like it's just a women's battle. And it's hard because men are typically in the power position where they can see less of what's going on and perhaps care less because they're already where they want to be. Uh, I'm going out on a limb here. Your husband seems like a pretty good dude, and he tries his best to support you. But finding men who are allies for strong women seems critical to success and pretty challenging. Do you have any tips for listeners uh, to find the right men to be allies as they take their seat at the table. So, side story. So, my uh, CEO when I was at First Ray Battalion, he would call, and many people are going to cringe at this, um, myself and one of the other female officers, Little Dyke and Big Dyke. And we were just like, sir, that is, and he did not say it maliciously. He said it jokingly. He had a long infantry background and just had never worked with female Marines before. And I was like, sir, that is completely inappropriate. And he's like, I don't, I don't see what the problem is. I'm like, you need to come up with another nickname and or no nicknames and just use their actual names. And his wife came in one day and he was still like kind of jokingly do it every once in a while. And I mentioned it to her and she like, her eyes just kind of blew up and she just went after him and it was kind of hilarious. And he never did it again. I will also tell you that, that same CEO was one of the biggest champions of female officers I have ever met. He had, we had, it was like, amazing to the MEF, which is the higher, our, our higher organization, that we had three out of the four company commanders in our battalion at the time were female. It was just unheard of. And so, it, so as much as he may have seen like, like the worst thing ever because of his initial choice of words, he was very open to feedback. Um, he quickly changed when he realized just how off the mark he was, and he was a huge advocate for women. So what is my point in this story? I think that sometimes the best advocates can also be the most unlikely. Um, and so being open and aware of the people around you and perceptive to who could potentially be an advocate is a constantly changing dynamic and that you just need to look for them wherever you are because they are out there. There are, I think, way more men that want to see women succeed and facilitate like making sure the playing field is equal than the opposite. I think it's probably, again, there's a couple of bad apples in the bunch. I think the vast majority of men really do have no, no care at this point. It's like, whatever, a woman can do the same job I can. I think that most men are on that page and we just need to, ex to kind of like move forward and recognize not only are they on that page, but who's like actively like, Hey, how can I help? And I think, at least from my experience now in orthopedic surgery in 2021, that is absolutely true of my male counterparts. So looking for the right people and educate. I love that story. There's always going to be a component of educating and bringing men up to speed because often we just don't know how inappropriate 
unfortunately, our comments can be. Uh, you had our first daughter halfway through medical school, and I remember very clearly you being ready to give it all up, to you, you, just having a real struggle going back to medicine and long hours, even though you love it, uh, because now you've got this little tiny human, as you call them, uh, <laughs> in your life. How do you balance being a mother with being having some serious professional demands? Yeah, so I I will always remember sitting in my uh, now department head's office waiting for him for a, a meeting on research with a two-week-old strapped to my chest. And he was an hour late, and he was also about to boy. He was also about to have a – their family was supposed to have their first kid. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I came home and was just like, maybe I need to pick a different specialty because, I was, as you said, I was still in medical school. And brutal reality was that, as you and I talked about it quite a bit, was there was – I would never be happy. I would always just kind of look at it and be like, I could have, would have, should have, if I did not pursue that ultimate dream. And I think that what you said to me, um, and kind of one thing that keeps me going even now when I'm looking at 80 to 120 hour work weeks is it's temporary, right? Eventually I'll get through it and I'll be in attending. And um, sure, my work life will always be demanding, but it's also the example that I'm setting for our daughter. So for me, how do I, how do I separate at the end of the day is, while I have a very finite amount of time with her versus the amount of time that I spend at work, it is her time. Um, and I am 100% focused on her, and I absolutely miss her all day long, and I think that's okay. And I think any mom or dad, um, and I, I do think that there's a hormonal difference for men and women for our affection and our, our guilt. Quite frankly, the mom guilt is real. Um, but I think that pursuing my dreams is important for me being the best possible mom for her at the same time. I think that being able to do what I need to do and what I need to do to be professionally and like fulfilled in my life is, is important to setting an example for her in terms of what she can expect to pursue in her life or she, what, what the possibilities are, that she's not limited to any one thing. Creating possibilities for the next generation. Leonie, we're running out of time here, sadly, and I'm curious – what do you know now that you wish you had known starting out? It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. There you mistakes. go. As long as you're willing to learn from them and you can recognize them and take a moment. If you're unwilling to make mistakes, you're never going to be able to grow. There you go. It's uh, Embrace failure as an opportunity to learn. It's okay to make mistakes. Just in case our listeners want to reach out after our show, how should they contact you? I would recommend going to the Karen Leadership Strategies website and finding my information in our contact list and email me from there. Great. We'll include a link to the website on your episode page as well. Leonie, thank you so much for your time. We and I truly appreciate you sharing your insights and experience. Glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me to the show. I appreciate it. Okay. That's all for our show today. Thank you again, Dr. Leonie Campbell, for being our guest. And thank you to all our listeners around the world. Remember, you can always tune into Women Lead Radio shows Mondays at 9 a.m. and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It has been my pleasure to be your host today. I hope this episode inspires you to keep exploring, pushing your boundaries, and leading on the edge. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business, executive and professional women connect, 
collaborate and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.